All right, it is time now to talk college football with Lincoln Kennedy, Pac-12 Network Analyst. He joins us on the Sprint Special Guest Line. Get a Samsung S10 for $0 when you activate a new line of service with the Flex Lease now through December 26th. Visit the Sprint store nearest you. Lincoln, good morning. Good morning, gentlemen. How are you today? We're doing well. It is. Uh, it is taking a. It's taking a few days, and honestly, it's going to take longer than that for the sting for Ute fans because the hopes were so high and the beating was so complete. Got any theories on how that possibly unfolded like that and could go so wrong so fast? You know, I remember the night before the game talking with a couple of ESPN folk, and they were asking me, you know, what I honestly felt about the game, and I and I sincerely thought that. Utah was going to be more physical than Oregon, um, that they had been building up for this, and this was truly their day to shine. Uh, and then the game started, and right from the get- get-go, even though Utah was able to move the ball down the field, looked pretty. I, I thought you know, my-, my plan was going to you know, stay true. And then the tie turned, and it turned in such a big way. And I think when I first noticed it is when Utah, the first time they went for it on fourth down, and they didn't get it. I mean, got no push at all. And I had never known Oregon to be a physical team, but, you know, the words out of the Pacific Northwest concerning Crystal Ball's program was that they wanted to be deemed more physical than they had before. And we've seen signs of it throughout the year, but for the most part, I still thought Oregon was still a lot more fluff. But as the game went on, my, my mouth continued to drop because I had never seen Utah dominated like that. And, and dominated completely on both sides of the ball. Couldn't do anything, even from block punt. I mean, just they were just outmanned, out-hustled, outshined in every way. And and I never pictured that that would happen, guys. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I'm sitting up in the press box, and I've been to every Utah game and covered them. I'm thinking the exact same thing, man. The, I can't really trace it back to – I can trace it back to how they lost. They got dominated. But in terms of right. why, it's a surprise because – the only thing I could think of is that, you know, they just had a real off game and it snowballed and it got out of control because you look at, well, ASU beat Oregon and the Utes just dominated ASU. I mean, they had like four of 18. They did nothing offensively. They were completely and totally dominated. And then we didn't see what we thought we were going to see. So I, I can't necessarily say beyond the one night that Oregon is that much better, but really that's all that matters. And I, I guess, Lincoln, I just have to chalk it up to it was just one of those nights for the Utes. Yeah, I mean, look, we've seen Utah in the past fall apart earlier in the year and you know, lose to a team they probably should have dominated, but I don't think we've seen it in that fashion. And, you know, give give you know, take your hat off to the Oregon Ducks. I mean, they they came out and they played hard and they definitely deserved, you know, with the, the Rose Bowl on the line, they played like they wanted it more. They showed up. Um, it, it is what it is, but it's also a lesson to be learned because the thing is is that programs will see you don't really have that many opportunities. It's not all the time that you have an opportunity. Now you put yourself on the forefront of being considered one of the best in a, in a very competitive conference, you've got to show up, and you've got to show up every week. It's so so disheartening that you go that far with so much on the line, the opportunity to play some more football games and probably chase a national title, that you just don't have, you have one of your worst performances that I've seen all year. You know, when I look at Oregon and, and went back and looked at some of their uh, results leading up to this, and I knew they hadn't played that well since the USC game, and I looked before it, too, and like, they barely got past Washington and Washington State. Those games were close. They gave up a lot of points in both games, and obviously they did not right. give up a lot of points to the Utes. So it's like, this is a team that had summoned an effort like this once in their last six games, because they, they were spectacular against SC. That was 
Uh, I mean, they just crushed those guys. And they summon that kind of performance again. I, I don't really trust teams when you want them to peak at the right time. Well, you haven't played great, but play great now. And yet it seems like Oregon has mastered that. Yeah, you, you got a platform in which everybody's watching. And, you know, you have your critics, uh, you know, this team was, you know, yeah, they lost to Auburn. They were on their way to the playoff possibly. And then they lose one to Arizona State. And then who's Arizona State and all the other stuff. But, again, we go back to the competitiveness of this of this conference, that anyone can beat anyone on any given day. And then on, on, a, on a national spotlight, that being Friday night, the Pac-12 championship is on. And they come out and show why they should be considered one of the top teams. Um, why, if there was, if there was, you know, more t- more slots added to the playoff bid, how they would deserve to be a part of that, and I think that's good because I do think conference championships are worth something, guys. I've already said that, always said that uh, conference championships are worth something, and if they had more slots available. Oregon would be representing the Pac-12 in the conference cha- as a conference champion in the playoffs. Yeah, how frustrating is that? As a fan, we like big games, and in my mind, the system as it's presently constituted discourages big games because you look at yeah. Baylor and they played Stephen F. Austin and Rice and some other dog, and they're considered to be a contender until Oklahoma gets them twice at the end of the season. Well, if Oregon doesn't play Auburn, and then they play Chico State or whomever. They're in right in the mix and pro- and maybe even in, but yet they choose to play a big name team and they lose by a touchdown and then they lose by three points in one conference loss and they're out. To me, it just boils down to the system needs tweaking, if not complete and total change, so we can have more competitive games and you're not penalized if you play a big game and lose it early in a season i think the system needs a major overhaul i think power five power six schools should only play power six schools i think that there should be more slots allowed for the playoffs i i thoroughly believe that conference championships should be valued in the sense of chasing a national title because i think that's what matters if we're putting all these teams and all these schools in a conference and in and, and, you know, conferences around the country, then let winning a championship really matter and mean something to them. So, I mean, I think there's a major overhaul that's that's needed uh, with the college football. And it's also really frustrating around this time because, look, you know, I was watching the TV this morning. I'm over in New York getting ready for the college football awards. And one of the questions I was asked one of the guys is that, hey, if you were a top five projected as a top five draft choice, would you choose to play in your bowl game if it wasn't a national championship? And a couple of the former players said, no, I wouldn't play. And it really hurts my feelings because football is a team game. And I don't care who you are. If you're a, a Heisman Trophy candidate, I don't care if you're you know, a top running back or whatever. You didn't get there by yourself. Now all of a sudden your team is going to a bowl game. And no, it's not the national championship, but say something like the Rose Bowl or the Orange Bowl or something like that. And you don't want to play? I think it's incredibly selfish as a player. And I, and I might be part of the, the, the minority of this. People sitting there, well, you know, the NFL doesn't care about it. You know, what about going on? You know, look, you got there on, with the help of your teammates, and now you're going to leave them because you, you're looking for, you know, greener pastures on the other side. It's one of the things that I can't stand around this time of year because you hear about stars that won't play in the bowl games because they want to protect their draft status. Well, and then they go out there and they go through a workout and they tear up their knees. So what happens then? So I'm sorry, I went on a little bit of a rant. I got a little bit carried away. But I think college football needs a major overhaul is the, is the question, is the answer. So what do you think, Lincoln, of guys sitting out bowl games? <laughs> don't like it <laughs> never liked it so you're old school Lincoln you're old school right there yeah well I mean look you gotta you, you can't 
you know, the thing is, and you guys play sports, if you play scared or you play that you're going to get hurt, you're going to get hurt. Your body has done stuff that you probably wouldn't believe or if they slowed it down and showed it to you, you couldn't imagine that you were able to do. And now all of a sudden you're sitting there like, well, it's one game. Why do I need to go out there and risk injury when you know I can be looking forward to the to the NFL? You can get to the NFL and not make it in as well and be and be a washout. Then where's your experiences and your memories go? Lincoln Kennedy, Pac-12 Network analyst, joining us here on ninety-seven five and twelve eighty the zone. So Lincoln, your school <laughs> bombshell announcement: Chris Peterson is stepping away. Uh, did you have any inkling of that as an alum? Did you get wired in, or is that just a complete shocker to you too? thought it was more probably knew it was coming, but thought it was a year away or so. And the reason why is I talked to a number of people that were around the program when they were in Los Angeles last year for the Rose Bowl, and they had said to me that they thought Coach Pete just didn't look happy. Then when I had the chance to talk to some people after it was all said and done, they reiterated that. And I was like, how can you not be happy at the Grand Daddy Mall? He's like, just the way of college sports has gone, it's taken its toll. And so it had worn him down. So, you know, yes, surprise of the timing. Like I said, I thought it was more of a year away, but totally be expected. The man gave, you know, a great portion of his life, and he just wants to enjoy the rest of it. I, I have no problem with that. From a social standpoint now, the Pac-12 has, I think, five African-American coaches, which is Mm -hmm. more than all the other Power Five conferences combined. Obviously, you're an African-American. What does that mean? I think it's probably a sign of the times where you're catching up and where I think, regardless of the color, whether nationality or ethnicity, you know, a a smart football mind deserves a chance to to prove his, his, even her worth. I think there will be eventually, we'll see college football uh, being coached by a woman, uh, and uh, just like his college basketball and so on and so forth. So, um, you know, the value of having a, a good mind doesn't have to be, you know, narrowed down to uh, sex or ethnicity. It's just you find somebody, give them a chance. If they make it work, it's good for the program. So do you think that this is going to lead that everything we've seen unfold this season? I mean, recruiting happens. It's the lifeblood of every program. There's a lot of things that go into it. We know that the SEC schools are coming to the West Coast. Yep. Do you think some of these new coaches are going to make – Head Washington gets a new coach now. Cristobal seems to be polishing his reputation. He's not new. He's been there for a couple of times. Do they, does this change the way recruiting goes? Or Clay Helton's there, and yes, he gets to stay for another year, but we're seeing he's not getting four- and five-star recruits, and the conference is going to take another hit in recruiting. Well, I think the conference is going to take a hit until it makes itself relevant. SC has to be relevant or in the conversation in order for a national standard for anybody to regard the Pac-12 as anything credible. Um, and, and, and look, it, it, the way the Pac-12 has scheduled its games, a lot of the teams, they're, they're going out and they're playing, you know, they're playing top-tier talent. you got to win those games. Once you do that, you put yourself on the map. Like, let's say, Oregon and Auburn, you know, you have those types of games, you put yourself on the map if you're able to win. If not, it comes back to haunt you. Um, I, I think you're, you're heading for that. But the thing is, is that, you know, you've got schools in the SEC that walk into people's houses and say, your kid will be in the National Football League in three years. I don't know if you can compete with that. Conversely, Herm Edwards down in Arizona State, he walks in the house and he said, your kid will have a degree in three and a half years. That's powerful, too. 
especially it resonates a lot more to parents than it does the immediate kids because we all know the possibility of everybody going on to the National Football League is not going to happen. The small percentage of them do. But, you know, there are people that are sitting in line at places like Alabama and LSU, five stars, three, four, you know, deep, sitting there on, on rosters waiting for their chance to get to play because they think they're going to, it's going to project them to the National Football the next level. At the same point, they go to other schools, they'll be a premier athlete, and they'll, and they'll be playing like in Oregon, different uniforms every game. Uh, you can showcase your, your, your talents that way. Reaction to SC retaining Helton? A little bit of a surprise, but the only reason I'm surprised is because we talked about this all year, guys. I said that they were going to make a move for Urban Meyer, and I still think that they're, you know, in, in a ways, not, not necessarily right now, they want to have their coach because recruiting starts now. What the, the rumors surrounding Urban Meyer and, say, the Cowboys or other programs, SC probably just didn't feel that they could compete or want to compete with it, the price tag it might take to get them. So they decided to, to stay with their guy, give him another year, give him another chance to do, to sort of, you know, revive the program. More importantly, give him a chance to get out there and recruit rather than leaving in limbo the possibility of his future. So I'm not really surprised. So you think SC's set up to win it next year? You like ASU? Utah's obviously won it two years in a row and is losing a bunch of seniors, and nobody in the Pac-12's won a division three years in a row since they went to divisions. Yeah. The thing is, for me, guys, is I really don't, I can't project who's going to do anything until we see him play. So that's the great thing about the conference like this, and especially college football. You have to constantly reload. Um, I think the, any of those teams that you mentioned could be a, a viable threat because if they stay true to who they are, you know what? A State's going to be better. SC's going to find a rebound. They were just decimated by injuries. Uh, and an experienced quarterback, well, they have that coming back next year. And like you said, Utah has done it before. They have a they have a model. Even when you know uh, Zach Moss and, and Huntley were down, they still were able to play a competitive game in the Pac-12 championship. So I don't know who put this out, but there was a picture I saw on Twitter of all the media folk from the Pac-12, and I was showing my wife, and she's got to learn a little bit about Lincoln Kennedy because oh I, took, I took her up on the Washington trip, and I said, you know, we have him on our show. I said, there's the banner outside the stadium. Uh-huh. And then she saw this picture. So there was all these people that were a little bit on the small side, and there was one guy. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if you saw the picture. But I haven't man. seen it. <laughs> but there was one guy I said to her, now guess which guy played the line in the NFL and is Lincoln Kennedy in this picture? I mean, you you look like just the ultimate giant with all these little folks standing around you. It was a funny picture. I don't know if you even saw it, but that's who you are in the world of football for sure. Well, thank you. You know what? I, I really want to give you guys a, a, a great shout out. You know, I was in the, I was staying at the team hotel in, in, in Santa Clara with the Pac-12 championship, and there were countless people who came up and said that they've heard us on the radio together. So a lot of fans uh, follow you, you guys, and what you guys do is a great job, and I appreciate being with you. And uh, I wish all your listeners and everybody happy holidays. It's a great program in Utah, and it's a great fan base, and I was extremely proud to be there the, the other night. Thanks a lot, Lincoln. We appreciate it. We've appreciated it all season long. Hey, guys. Take care. I'll talk to you soon. Happy holidays.